This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Uh, turn to Ephesians 6 this morning. We're, uh, this is our second to last uh, sermon in this series in the book of Ephesians. This We Are series where we're finding identity in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to do today's sermon and then next week will be the last sermon. And today is one that's interesting because uh, you've probably heard of uh, the armor of God. Uh, maybe you've, you've seen the the you know corny little illustrations in children's ministries, uh, or you've you've uh, maybe seen someone with a sweet tattoo that's like the armor of God, right? We we all have have maybe some some understandings, but really the idea of armor in our culture is something very foreign, isn't it? Paul's going to use a metaphor this morning of of putting on armor. The the closest association that I had was actually uh, when I played lacrosse in high school. Uh, If you're not familiar with the sport, it's kind of a brutal sport. You've got metal poles and you're actually hitting each other with them. And so in a very real way, you've got to suit up in in armor. And depending on your position will determine how much armor you actually wear. I played defense when I was in high school, which meant that I had as little padding as possible. I wore gloves, elbow pads that covered just enough. My shoulder pads didn't even cover the ends of my shoulders. Uh, It was almost no padding, but I played defense and I didn't hold the ball very often. In fact, I was the one inflicting damage on the other people in in the the offense. They often were decked out. Gloves, elbow pads that went up to their gloves, their shoulder pads went down to their elbow pads, complete coverage, even sometimes like a flak jacket to cover their ribs because as defenders, we would definitely accidentally poke them in the ribs with our stick. Um, and so depending on wh- what you were going to need, it determined how much armor you were gonna suit up in. For defense, we didn't wear a whole lot, but the offense, they had to, they had to suit up because we were coming at them with six foot metal poles. We were gonna inflict some damage, but you, you dress for the protection you think you'll need. And, and as we think about this as Christians and the armor of God and this reality that you'll dress for the amount of protection you think you'll need, especially in America, especially where we live, we often don't really feel the need to get suited up, do we? Where we live uh, in, in perhaps one of the safest places in the world here in Gilbert. One of the safest cities in the country, one of the, you know, the safest country in the world. Here we are and often we don't really feel our need for armor. Uh, we think, well, what's the worst that'll happen? You know, what, what does it really matter in the end? We're going to find this morning that actually perhaps being in the safest place uh, calls us to be more aware of our need for the armor of God, given how the, 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 the enemy works. We're going to see that this morning and see how important it is for us to suit up. What we're going to find this morning, our big idea, is that we need to stay ready to fight or be ready to fall. Stay ready to fight, Christian. In the Christian life, stay ready to fight or be ready to fall, because you will fall if you're not ready to fight, if you're not putting on the full armor of God, as Paul calls us to this morning. We're going to talk, we're going to read the text. First, we're going to talk about what is the fight that we're even talking about here, because I think there's a lot of uh, times where we can get that wrong, so we're going to establish that, and then we'll talk about the armor of God and what it means for us. But we're first going to read the text, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verse 10 all the way through the end of the chapter. We're going to focus in on verses 14 Uh, through 20 this morning. 
But let's read together God's word. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, able, you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This is our text this morning. Therefore, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul's calling us, we saw this last week, to put on the full armor of God to stand in these days. And this morning, we see this metaphor of what it means to put on the full armor of God. But, but before we even get into the armor, we just want to establish what is the fight? Right? So the big idea is to stay ready to fight or be ready to fall. So what is, what is the fight? Well, we need to come to terms with the reality that the Bible never once tells us to fear the devil. Never once tells us to fear evil. Never once tells us to fear demons. But over and over throughout the scriptures, you know who calls us to fear? God. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what the Bible calls us to. So as we think about this fight, we're not called to walk onto the battlefield afraid of the enemy. That's not actually the battle. The battle isn't striking down the enemy because God's already struck him down. God's already defeated evil. We just sang about it. Jesus rose from the grave and defeated, defeated sin, defeated death, defeated evil. No, the fight is actually to trust God and to follow him. That's the fight this morning and throughout our days as Christians. The fight is to trust God and follow him. And if you don't believe me, think about the way that Satan tries to deceive Jesus, tries to tempt him. Um, We're not going to go through because we don't have time this morning, but take some time this week to read Matthew chapter four. And look at the way that that Satan goes after Jesus, God the son. Uh, The the ultimate, you know, victory here would be to defeat Jesus. And how does he tempt him? I'm going to give you a massive paraphrase this morning, but the way that he tempts him is, is through three things. He tempts him to trust in himself, over trusting in God. And Jesus is fasting. He says, turn that, turn that rock into bread. You can do it. You've got the power. Trust in yourself. Don't trust in God. He tempts him by, by uh, trying to tempt him to, to trust in status over trusting in God. Trust in your status over who God is and what he's doing. And finally, he tempts him by, by trying to tempt him with worldly authority 
over trusting in God's authority. Worldly power, I'll give you authority and power over God's power. Now, let's, let's notice something. Before we even get into this armor, this battle, all three of those things are things that we would affirm are good things in our lives. To be self-sufficient, right? To have confidence in yourself is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, to, to, be, to be thought well of, to have affirmation from others, it's a good thing, right? To have power and authority. On some level, everyone's working for that, aren't they? But what Satan does and the way that he tempts Jesus and the way that he tempts you and I, the way that evil tempts us and our own sin tempts us is to trust in those things over the God who is king. To trust in those over trusting in God and following him. Because if we do that, if we trust in our own self-sufficiency, if, we, if we're living for the, uh, the affirmation of others, if we've got power and authority in this life, if we start there, all the other evils that men and women do follow from that if that's where we're putting our trust. So that's, that's the battlefield. The, the battle is to trust God and follow him over trusting in things that are really good and we really want. And we need the full armor of God to do that. And so Paul lays out this metaphorical armor of God. This is all metaphor here that he's using. And, and we're gonna go through this quickly. I've actually preached this text before in three sermons and we're doing it today in one. So we're gonna kind of fly through it. We're not gonna hit every detailed element of all the pieces of armor, but I wanna look at them because we're so unfamiliar with this metaphor as Christians here in Gilbert in 2021 that I think it's important that we understand what is Paul even trying to draw out for these readers as he talks about the full armor of God. So we start with this first uh, element here in verse 14. He says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. This belt that the Roman soldiers would have worn, which is what would have been brought to mind for these Ephesian believers, uh, was, a, was actually a, an element of the, 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 the warrior's garb that would hold everything together. Okay, so the belt that they would wear was kind of a thick uh, piece of, of, of material, and it wasn't really so much for protection as it was to kind of hold things in place. They're long flowing clothes so that they wouldn't get caught up in battle, so they wouldn't trip over those things. It's actually a, a piece of, of material that's supposed to hold things together. You think about like today, uh, we just had some big, big fights last night in boxing and UFC. Well, why do those guys go out there in tiny little shorts and no shirt? Because they don't want clothes to, to get caught up in their arms as they're fighting, as they're battling. They don't want to give, give an edge to their enemy by having loose clothing. That's what the belt does. Pulls everything in. Holds it all together. Why is Paul using this metaphor? Well, the devil, Satan, is called the father of lies. Right? He's called the father of lies. He actually, we just talked about this in the temptation of Jesus. He uses lies and half-truths to try and trip him up. To try and get him caught up in his garments, so to speak. The devil is the father of lies, but the truth is a freeing gift from God. Uh, now, now, a lot of people will say, no, truth, truth is relative. Truth doesn't matter. Truth is your truth and my truth and whatever. And, and here Paul is saying, no, actually, truth, the truth, there is one truth. It's the truth of who God is and what he's doing. That truth for the Christian is actually freeing. It frees you up from getting tripped on your own mis, you know, misinformation, your own ideas that, that maybe aren't true, or they're overthought, whatever it may be. It holds you in a way that's actually freeing. When Jesus prayed for his disciples and for you and me in John 17, he actually prayed, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prayed 
that we'd be set apart, that we'd be freed in the truth. And Paul here says, put on the belt of truth. As we go through these, we're gonna do application points for each of them. If you're a note taker, you're gonna love that. If you're not a note taker, maybe use your phone to take some notes because it's a lot of application points and maybe they don't hit you right now, but you can reflect on them later. As we think about the belt of truth and how we live this out, how does this matter for you and I uh, tomorrow? We need to stay ready by knowing the truth and living a life of truth. Stay ready by knowing the truth. There is truth. It is the reality of who God is and what he is doing and has done. It's revealed to you here in the scriptures. We're gonna talk more about the sword of the spirit, the word of God towards the end, but this is truth. Know it and live a life of truth. As you think about living a life of truth, there's some elements of that. What does that mean? Well, it means walking in integrity. You're doing the right thing when no one's watching. Even when, even when no one knows, you do the right thing. It's living a life of truth. It's, it's walking in transparency. I'm not, I'm not hiding things. No, I'm gonna be the same person everywhere I go. It's walking in repentance. If you're gonna live a life of truth, get comfortable with repentance because you and I are fallen. We make mistakes. We don't always walk in the truth. Repentance is a way of owning that and turning and walking in truth. If I could just speak to parents for a minute in this application point, do your kids hear you say, I was wrong? Do they ever hear that from you? Because they should, unless you're perfect. Which you could be, but I don't know, as a parent, I make a lot of mistakes. And if your kids never hear, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I wrong, you know what? you know what, 14-year-old daughter, you were right. I was wrong. How hard is that to say? That's living a life of truth, isn't it? Because the reality is you were wrong. Sometimes you just are. Sometimes he or she just knows better. So we want to put on the belt of truth. We want to know the truth and live a life of truth. Paul goes on in verse 14, and he says, uh, he says, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Whenever you read righteousness in the Bible, think also justice. Righteousness is purity, it's justice. It's put on the breastplate of righteousness. The, the breastplates that these Roman soldiers would wear uh, gave them protection for their vital organs. Okay, they covered the front and the back. It was a full coverage and it covered the vital organs, all the stuff that you don't want to get hurt in the heat of battle because you're not going to make it out. And Paul here says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. This righteousness is full coverage for you, Christian, in your spiritual vital organs. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but when, when Jesus lived for you, a perfect life, sinless, and died for you, and when you put your faith in him, he actually gives you his righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness is the very righteousness of Jesus, God the Son himself, put on you full coverage for all the vital organs, spiritually speaking. And also, as we put on righteous living, purity, and justice, it is coverage so that you may stay ready and not fall. Just think about living this out. Stay ready. Stay ready by trusting Jesus for your righteousness. Listen, do you know you cannot clean yourself? You cannot out good deed your bad deeds. You can't do it. No, but Jesus has died for you 
He has risen for you and he has given you his perfect righteousness. Trust in that. Believe it. Run to it. When you're tempted to say, oh, I, need, I feel so guilty. I just need to earn God's favor. No, stop. Remember what Jesus did. Turn from what you're doing, but remember what Jesus did. Trust in him for your righteousness and pursue righteousness in your own life. It's how you stay ready to fight. If you're not pursuing righteousness in your own life, you will fall. It'll happen. It'll catch up with you. You stay ready by trusting in Jesus' righteousness and pursuing that in your own life. He goes on and he talks about the shoes in verse 15. He says, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. These shoes that the soldiers would have worn were basically like a cross between a sandal and a cleat, okay? Now, you will probably never catch me in sandals. I'm not a sandal guy. I almost never wear them. Even at the beach, I don't wear sandals because the sand is too hot. I don't wear sandals. But if they had cleats on the bottom, I might because that sounds pretty cool, right? There's like spikes on the bottom of the sandals, and it would give the soldiers protection for their feet. So if they step on anything sharp or, 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 or broken, they, they have protection for the bottom of their feet. It also gives them stability with those spikes so they don't slip, so they don't fall, so they can stand on steady ground. What's Paul saying? He's saying the gospel of peace is a sure and steady foundation for your life. It is actually how you stand ready. Remember how the enemy attacks it's deception. It's making you trip or slip often. But the gospel, this good news of what Jesus has done, this is the message of Satan's defeat. The message of the gospel that Jesus, God the Son, lived for you, died for you, and rose again is the message of Satan's defeat. Listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian and you go, okay, gospel, I've kind of heard that before. Or maybe you've never heard that and you don't know what that is. Let me tell you just real quick. Without this message, you will die. Okay, we're talking life and death here. In fact, without this message, this good news that Jesus, God the Son, died for you, rose for you, and lives today is the message of life. It's what it is. It's good news. It's peace with God. If you don't know it, let me tell you right now, this is the message, believing in it is the message that brings you from death to life. We've seen this in the book of Ephesians, but Christians, it's not just for the non-believer, it's for you too. Because if you don't know this message, if you don't keep going back to this message, if you forget what it means for you or the importance of it, you will slip. You will fall. It's like walking on the battlefield without shoes on. Everyone knows that's not safe. I don't even go to the beach without shoes on. <laughs> so as we think about living this out, putting on the shoes of gospel readiness, I know, you're like, this guy's weird. I know, I have baby feet. Stay, stay ready with the gospel to fight two lies, okay? There's two lies that I think we're tempted to believe often when we forget the gospel. The first is that you're condemned, that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't care, that God's forgotten about you, Maybe even, maybe even you've gotten to the place of thinking God wants the worst for me. He wants to harm me. The message of the gospel obliterates all of that because it reminds you that you are so valued by the king of all kings that he died for you and that you are held so securely by this king of all kings that he rose to indestructible life and he holds you there now if you are a Christian. 
fight that lie of I'm condemned with the good news of Jesus, you also need to fight the second lie, which is one that maybe I'm more tempted to believe. If you're like me and you have a comfortable life, maybe you're more tempted to believe this lie, which is that what you do doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter anyway, right? Like God's did this cool thing and we're all good. I've got my get out of hell free card. Like I'm good to go. I'll just live my life. I'll just go to work, you know, take the kids to practice, come home, watch some Netflix, rinse and repeat tomorrow. It doesn't matter. The gospel reminds us, the good news reminds us that God is on the move with eternal purposes. His, his work in your life is not temporary. It's not nothing. It's not insignificant. If you are a Christian, it is eternal. The work he's doing in you and through you, it has eternal implications. The gospel reminds us of that. It reminds us, oh, I was dead in sin. I've been given eternal life. I've been sent out as an ambassador of God. I've got these shoes on my feet that keep me ready so I can go far and tell people about Jesus and what he's done. That is not insignificant. That is the most significant thing you can do. If you're tempted to think, ah, what does it matter? I got a lot going on. I just need to, you know, I just need a break. I just need whatever. Remember, if you are a Christian, you've been brought into the kingdom of God and you've been sent forth as a kingdom ambassador with the shoes of gospel readiness on your feet. Go in power. He goes on, he talks about the shield in verse 16. He says, in all circumstances, again, we need that reminder, in all circumstances, even when you're comfortable, especially when you're comfortable, especially when you don't think you need faith because you don't have any needs that you feel, your belly's full, your house is large, your car runs great, everything's good, your bank account's full. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let's get some context on this shield. It would have been a shield that was about two feet wide by about four and a half feet long, meaning it covered the whole body. They could hold it and it would cover all the way from legs to, you know, they could see over it, but it gave them complete coverage. And, and, and if they needed to, they would dip it in water because the enemy would, would take their arrows, light them on fire with pitch and shoot them. So that if they hit you, they don't just, even if it doesn't you know, penetrate the skin, it's going to explode, light you on fire. So you dip the shield, the shield in water to extinguish that. There's actually another um, um, use for this that I think is important for us, which is they would do this maneuver called the tortoise maneuver, where the, the whole group of soldiers would, some would have their shields overhead, the ones on the ends would have their shields to the side, and they would actually create a shell. So that as the enemy rained down flaming arrows, everyone's protected in the shell. But here's the key. If the guy to your right goes down because he wasn't holding up his shield, now you're exposed. And if you go down, now the person to your left is exposed, right? Everyone is needed in this shield. This is what Paul is calling their minds to here. Listen, the shield of faith, your faith, your trust in Jesus. Remember what faith is. It's belief in things not seen. It's believing that God is gonna give what he promises, that he is who he says he is. That faith extinguishes the lies, the doubts, the fears, the temptations, whatever it is that comes at you, it is faith that extinguishes those things. It's claiming the promises that God has already given you. When, when doubt comes in, no, God has promised me that he saved me. When fear comes in, no, God has promised me that he's got the victory. 
whatever it is, is claiming those promises that maybe you don't see right now. And in fact, you don't see them right now. Raise your hand if you've seen Jesus face to face. Yeah, none of us, right? It's believing in things you haven't seen, but you claim those promises and it extinguishes the darts of the evil one. There's a quote I wanna share with you from Pastor Tony Evans. He says this, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Think about that for a minute. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Whatever temptations the devil fires at you, you can overcome him by believing God's word and acting on it. Acting in faith is like activating a divine fire extinguisher. Think about that. Acting in faith is like activating a divine fire extinguisher. It's believing that what God says is true and it's acting on it. So as we think about living this out this morning, we stay ready. We stay ready by believing the promises of Jesus. And when you're tempted to doubt, running back to them. Believe them. And stay ready by surrounding yourself with people who are gonna remind you of those promises. Think about the tortoise maneuver, right? We need each other. I need your faith to cover my right flank and my left flank. You need my faith to cover your head too. We need one another because it's easy to forget. It's easy to doubt, isn't it? We can't see the promises. We just have them. We need one another to remember. So shield of faith. Next he talks about the helmet. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. I don't think we need a lot of context for a helmet. You just think about it this way. What's your most vital organ? It's your head, right? (laughs) If you lose your head or take a shot to the head, you lose your life. And and no soldier is going to go out on the battlefield without a helmet on. Because if you get hit with a, you know, a blow in the arm, it, it might hurt. You might lose an arm, but you, you're probably going to be okay. If you get hit with a blow in the head, it's over, right? Salvation, the salvation of God protects us. But it actually does more than that. The, the helmets in this time were both for protection. They were also for beauty. It was also uh, a sign of, of beauty, uh, of look who I am with so to speak. You think about, uh, like right now it's football season. So I, you know, I see Dylan in his jersey. This is who I'm with. And it's, it's beautiful and it's powerful and it's strong. And this, I'm with these guys. That's how the helmet would function for soldiers. I am with the Roman army. Don't mess with me. Church, the salvation of God functions in the same way. It's protection. It also is beautifying. And that's what Paul is calling his, his readers to here is to remember that this is a, both a protection for you, this salvation. It is the ultimate protection. You cannot be killed because you've been brought to life forever. Just as Jesus can never die through faith in him, you can never die. You will live forever. Your body will die, but you will live eternally with him. It's protection, but it's more than that. It's also beautifying. It's also something we're to wear and show off, not, not in, a, in a way of pride, but to say, I'm with him. I'm with him and he wins. We're the Roman soldiers and the pride that would bring. We're the winning guys. Look at our helmets. For Christians, you wear your salvation. You say, look how good God is. He wins. He can give you life. You don't hide it. You don't put it away. You don't say, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's important. Maybe it's not that important. No, we stay ready by resting in the protection of God's salvation. Stay ready. Rest in that. When you're tempted to anxiety, to fear, whatever it is that's got you shaken, 
rest first in the protection of God. It's eternal protection. It's life forever. Rest in that. But don't stay resting. Don't just stay there. Wear that helmet. Display the beauty of what God has done in you for the sake of others. We talked about this. You've been sent on a mission that is not, uh, is, is, is not lame or, or insignificant. You've been sent as a soldier in the kingdom of God to share the good news of the mercy and grace of your God who saved you. You've been sent to display the love of God who loved you. And lastly, he talks about the sword of the spirit. This is the only offensive weapon mentioned, verse 17. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon mentioned here. And uh, just for context, the, the Roman soldiers would have used smaller swords that were for hand-to-hand combat. So again, this is what the Ephesian church is having brought to mind here. They're smaller swords that would have been for hand-to-hand combat. They required skill and dexterity. It's not something that you're like, okay, I'm just going to pick up this bazooka and start blasting people without knowing how to use it because it's going to do a bunch of damage. No, it actually required skill, dexterity, know-how, intentionality. And that's what Paul is comparing metaphorically to the word of God. He calls it the sword of the spirit, which is instructive for us because this Bible, this word of God is not just words on a page. It's the voice of God. This is spirit-inspired men and women writing down words that, that the spirit carried them along and preserved for you and I to have this weapon, this sword of the spirits. Not just words on a page, but the word of God, the voice of God, the powerful gift that God has given you. All of these elements of the armor are gifts of God. None of this is stuff that you can just earn on your own or pick up and take on your own. It's a gift from God. And he's giving you his voice, his word. I love the way the, way, uh, the author of Hebrews talks about this word. You've probably heard it before, but it's helpful to remember now. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, what a description How many swords do you know of that can cut to the thoughts and intentions of the heart? It's just this one. You ever hear a sermon or maybe you're reading the Bible, you're you're listening to someone talk about the word of God and you're like, man, is this person reading my diary? It's not the preacher. It's the sword. It's the sword that gets down to the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's God moving in you saying, come near to me. I see you. I know you. I want you. This is the sword of the spirit. This is what we have in our hands. And as we think about living out, as we think about using this sword of the spirits, what do we do with this? Well, one thing is we, we actually treat it, uh, see it for what it truly is. Right, we, we, we see that this is the only offensive weapon we've been given, that this is the powerful voice of God, that this is living and active, that it is sufficient, that it's what we need. See it for what it is. Do you believe that this morning? 
Does your life reflect that you believe that this morning? Does your time with this word reveal that you believe that? Does your knowledge of this word reveal that you believe that this morning? And secondly, approach it as something that requires dexterity and skill, because it does. You know, we talk about being purposely biblical. Part of that is approaching the word of God with a, a humility and a recognition that this can be misused, this sword of the spirit, if we're not trusting in God if we're not looking to him to shape us by the sword of the spirit. It's something that we've got to know, that we've got to believe, that we, we can't just pick up in the heat of battle and expect to use it effectively. And we've got to know it before the battle hits. Is that true of your experience of the word of God? Are you approaching it as something that requires skill and dexterity that's necessary? Church, we've got to stay ready to fight or be ready to fall. And, and again, the fight is not that you and I run out and we slay the evil one. No, he's already been slain. He's already been cast down. The fight is that we know God, that we follow him, that we honor him, that in all the things that are tempted to take our affection and our worship and our joy away from God and, 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 and hold them in themselves, that we fight that and we say, no, I'm looking to God here. I'm following God here. I'm gonna put on the, the belt of truth that reminds me that this thing that feels so important is not king. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take up the shield that, that reminds me that any temptations that come at me are gonna be extinguished in faith. I'm gonna put on the shoes of gospel readiness. I'm gonna know who God is and what he's done. I'm gonna stand firm. I'm gonna have the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. I'm gonna take the sword of the spirits and walk out this battle of knowing God and following him. And it's not easy, is it? There's so many things that, that just wanna throw us off. And usually they're good things, aren't they? Church, we need to stay ready to fight or be ready to fall. I'm gonna call the band up as we prepare to close. Now, I did not cover the last three verses here, you may notice, but I wanna, in closing, just touch on them. Paul talks about prayer. He says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. He says to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. That's a, a way to pray for all the saints. So what is Paul reminding us? He's reminding us, he's, he's gone away from metaphor now, right? All those elements of the armor of God were all metaphors. The metaphor's over. Pray. Pray always, pray often. Prayer is the, the glue that holds all of this together. Prayer is how you go out on the battlefield and you hear and you see a Christian who doesn't pray. It's like a soldier who can't see and can't hear. They're cooked on the battlefield, right? Prayer is actually what animates this and holds all of this together. Paul even says, pray for me. Think about this for a minute. We talked about uh, having the shoes of gospel readiness and going out with the good news. You know, we talk about being relentlessly outward. Paul, the super apostle, the one who's planning all these churches, sharing the gospel left and right, he prays, pray for me that I would be bold in sharing the gospel. Are you praying that for yourself? Because if Paul needs that prayer, you and I need that prayer, don't we? And prayer is what animates the battle. Prayer is what holds this all together. We should be a praying people. If we're not a praying people, we won't be a people who has the, the armor of God 
We're not, we're not going to be grabbing those elements because we're not even going to be aware. Just walking out into the battlefield unaware. You roll out of the bed in the morning. You don't even know what day it is because you slept so well. And you're just unaware. That's a Christian who doesn't pray. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what's going on. I'm just out here. Just, just living. You know, Paul calls us to something so much higher. Saying there's a battle to honor God, the King of Kings, to follow him, to know him, put on the armor of God, be a prayerful person, be a prayerful warrior on this battlefield so that you might not fall, but stand for his glory. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.